Uh, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the show. 2016, first episode of the year. Travis Marziani, my co-host, Terry Lin here, uh, back again. I got a new microphone, finally, after two years, so hopefully this sounds a lot better. Uh, we're on the same hardware now, so yeah, what's going on, Travis? A lot of a lot of good things. Um, I mean, the most important thing was 2015 was a pretty good year for my business. I finally am starting to get to this place that I've been wanting to get since I since I quit my job. You know, we're making money, things are going well. Uh, we did about double the revenue in 2015 that we did in 2014, and so far in the we're recording this on January 8th, and we've already done almost twenty thousand dollars in sales. So January should end up being a record month for us. So I'm pretty excited. Wow. So we're only a third of the way in. So you probably looking at a 60K month possibly. It, huh? At least. I mean, we're less than a third of the way in. I hope, assuming everything goes, everything keeps going, but um, we're getting calls all the time from dance studios saying like, oh, we're going to be ordering a big order with you. And I'm, I'm excited. Nice. Nice. Yeah. Cool. Cool. Yeah. Uh, so I guess for me, uh, kind of new start here. So one thing that interesting was towards the end of last year, uh, suddenly all these leather contacts started showing up in Vietnam, like friends of a friend, like, oh, we were just hanging out. And it's, oh yeah, by the way, I know this guy that makes uh, leather stuff in Vietnam. So like, kind of like just to, as I work with the rebrand and moving the supply chain here, uh, it's kind of picked up a little bit. So I'm going to go visit a factory in like a week or two, just right outside the city too. So kind of excited uh, for that. It's exciting. So you're still working pretty hard at Baller Leather then? No, it's it's just kind of on the back burner, but I'm trying to redesign a few things. Uh, so I'm trying to make my existing wallets uh, that I've been selling here, like the same kind of leather, same type of thing with some improvements, like better stitching, things like that. And kind of in the back of my head uh, with the rebrand so that... Uh, when you know this is ready, I can finally launch it sometime in like Q2. Did you ever come up with the name for that? Yes, but I'm not ready to share it yet. So okay. uh, I, I, I still need like another month or so to really iron this out to see if it's actually really not as dumb as what I have right now. So. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> yeah. All right, cool. Uh, what else with you? So another big thing, and I talked a little bit about this, I think in the last episode, is I really want to get the mastermind up and running again. So I completely have been retooling the entire thing. So some of the things we changed is we, we we meet every week now and we have weekly action items. And what I did is actually created a Google Doc that everyone shares so you can write in your action item. And then when the next time it comes around, it's like, hey, did you do this? Oh, you didn't? Like, you know, we can give you a little bit of flack for that. Another thing I'm really excited about, um, this is one of the members in my group actually had this idea was that we make quarterly goals. And just like this episode, uh, I think doing quarterly goals is really important because it's not just, all right, uh, by next week, I'm going to do this one action item. It's saying within the next three months, I'd like to do X in profit, or I'd like to make uh, my SEO better or Facebook advertising more a part of my business. So I'm really, I'm excited about that. And then the final thing that we're doing is once a month or so, we're going to all sit around and talk about a specific topic. So we might do email marketing, how to work with a virtual assistant, Facebook advertising. And then the goal with this would be everybody goes and learns as much about, let's say, email marketing as they can. We come back together as five, six e-commerce entrepreneurs and all share our tips, tricks, and strategies. So the idea is that we're all learning from each other. Gotcha. Instead of just going to all these blogs and reading on your own, you kind of get everyone to do it and then you just distill the best things from everything. Yeah. Yeah. And if anyone's interested in joining, you can go to buildmyonlinestore.com slash apply, or just go to buildmyonlinestore.com and you'll be able to, you'll see it on the sidebar there and you can click apply for it. And we'll make sure we get you in a group with people that are a similar, similar level as you. 
Yeah, gotcha. All right, and I guess one more thing for me. Uh, finally getting my business finances cleaner. Uh, I got a Amex business card. Surprisingly, it was really easy. Uh, I always thought it was like a huge hassle to get hearing other people, but basically uh, I submitted online. I gave them a call. I did like a five-question identity test, and then that was it, essentially. So uh, I guess if you don't have a business credit card, just get one because uh, you know, if you're going to pay with cash, you might as well get some points to travel with and everything too and also another thing with my uh llc bank account i was using schwa for the longest time and uh, you know how when you do your personal paypal you link it uh, it takes money in and out of the same account yeah yes so mainly for schwa yeah. it doesn't work that way there's like an outgoing bank and an incoming bank and for the longest time i would try to send money in and out of the same account and the paypal would always say it errors out and then it would like ban my bank account so like called swap turns out i guess part of their outgoing thing was sold to like bny melon is like the custodian bank or some of that so when i deposit money into the account there's like a different routing number and account number and when i take money out it's like another one so like i have to like make sure i don't send it to the wrong one uh, moving forward which is kind of really stupid but yeah that like, sounds way more uh laborious than it needs to be yeah because for your, what do you use for business checking we have us bank uh funny enough we wanted to go with citibank because that's where i do all my personal banking and they wanted to charge us and we're you know we're sitting here saying we're gonna keep money with you we're gonna be doing all our transactions with you and us bank was like hey you know you'll actually make i think they like points or something like that they'd give us and it was just it was more or less free with us bank and other banks wanted to charge us so yeah. Alrighty, so let's get into uh, plans for Q1 2016. Uh, how about you go first, since you have a prequel uh, to your whole spiel here? <laughs> yeah, well, so the the big my big prequel is first off, my goal for Q1 is to make at least fifty thousand dollars in profit. And the reason is we need to start saving up for summer because summer is going to be lean times. We already know this. I, it happened last year. It's definitely going to happen this year again. So. Uh, Assuming that my numbers are correct, if we do 50K in profit for the first three months and then we do another about 25K in the three more months leading up to summer, we should have enough to survive this summer without needing to take loans. Worst case scenario, we take some loans uh, and we pay them back off. We'll be fine. But on top of that, one of the big things I realized when reviewing 2015 is I spent too much time doing things that might work. I mean, what I mean by that is I know paid ads work for me. About 50% of my traffic comes from AdWords, product listing ads, things like that. And I, I, when I look at how much time I spent on that, it was probably about 1% of my time. Most of my time was spent on doing all kinds of random things. So what I realized is I want to make sure I spend 80% of my time on the three things I'll talk about in this episode. And I don't want to I don't want maybe one day a week, kind of like Google does, I'll spend on fun things like, ooh, I'm going to try Instagram marketing or X, Y, and Z thing. So the first thing I'm going to try to spend, my plan for Q1 is to spend as much time as possible on product listing ads and AdWords. And there's a lot of different things that I've talked a lot. If you listen to this podcast, you've probably heard me talk a lot about product listing ads and, and AdWords in general. And some of my strategies are one, I'm also going to bring Bing ads more into the mix. I I think there's more potential for Bing ads because nobody really takes it that seriously. Uh, yeah. So I, I mean, it's really easy to convert a Google ad into a Bing ad. And I even did the new, I forget what they call it, but the Bing shopping product listing ads and they work. They don't work quite as good as Google's does, but they do work. And I'm going to try to put a little bit more focus on that. In addition to that, I want to spend more time thinking of new keywords that I could target. 
because most of the skeleton of my AdWords was made when I fr- either when I was first starting the store or about a year later, I did like another refresh and added some keywords and some different products and stuff. I haven't spent as much time on that as I really should. So that's the first part of my plan for Q1. Yeah, so when you say Bing ads don't work as well, is it there are not as many impressions or just the CPCs aren't as good or what's or the conversions aren't as good? Or? No, it's not as many impressions is the big thing. So there's that, that part of me that's all about the 80-20 that's like, oh, well, Bing ads are such a small percent of my traffic that I want to ignore it. But on the flip side, I think that's what everybody's saying. So I'm, I'm going to look a little bit more deeply into it. The other thing is it doesn't integrate, not surprisingly, as well with Google Analytics. So it makes it a little bit more of a pain in the butt. I mean, there's ways around that. You can do, you can set up pixels or uh, some meta code or something like that on your website through Bing ads. And it has a little bit more trackability, but still the way that AdWords and analytics sync just makes it so intuitive to use. So I'm going to look a little bit more at that. Yeah, and when you say uh, PLAs, AdWords, you're gonna focus on, is it more like uh, new keyword ideas or just pruning what you have or kind of improving your profits from those? A, a lot of different things. So, I mean, even things as simple as changing the landing pages, like spending more time working on split testing landing pages, anything in the funnel. Um, I also do wanna add new types of product listing ads some of the products I have, I don't have product listing ads for because in my head, it's not going to work. But at the same time, I've been surprised. It's, it's one of those things that, like for instance, we sell sports bras and I'm like, well, I don't want to put sports bras up because then everyone's searching for sports bras, even people that aren't in dance will potentially want to buy them. And basically my margins don't support. The way it works for me is if it's something that a dance team will buy, and they buy $500 worth, that's how I make majority of my money. So if I get a thousand impressions or a thousand clicks to sports bras, and most of them are people looking to buy a single item, one, they're probably not going to buy from me because we're so dance niche and themed. And two, even if they do buy from me, it's not enough money. That's not really where my, uh, our niche is basically. Yeah. And you're bringing in extra impressions that probably aren't what you need anyways that you'll have to filter out later through negative keywords or it'll just add extra bids that you don't need to basically. And that's what happened. I did do a little bit. Sports Bros was a bad example because I have done a little bit of it. And it's just like so many people search for sports bras where jazz pants. If you're searching for jazz pants, you're a dancer pretty, pretty confidently. Yeah. One thing I realized, like, uh, so in the past couple of months, I've been looking at some adverts and PLA campaigns. It's like a lot of it's kind of like gardening, like your front lawn. Like if you don't look at it after a month, you have weeds that start growing. And then, you know, three months later, it becomes like a huge mess. And then like, say, when you haven't looked at your campaign for like a year, you kind of forget what you did. And then there's all these like, you know, irrelevant bids that you probably should filter out, things like that. Even like basic things, like uh, I was looking at one account, just looking at you know, when they had conversions from product listing ads and from like 12 a.m. to 6 a.m., there was zero in the past two years. But so like, why were you bid on that time when everyone's, you just you should just add schedule that and all that. So like little things like that, like it probably doesn't seem like much, but over the course of a year, like you could save a lot of money and just improve your ROI and stuff like that too. So, but it takes like the discipline, I think, to at least like, you know, every month to look at it or at least look at the reports and things like that to make sure, you know, nothing's going out of line essentially. Yeah. And I mean, the the whole part of the funnel, I really just want to make sure I have it dialed in as much as possible because like I said, that's where I get most of my sales. Why not spend my time trying to improve every part of that? 
Yeah, exactly. And I guess one thing I want to ask you, have you noticed uh, your CPCs are still pretty consistent or has it been going up over the years or I have all the data I'd have to look at it like because I check every month or two if it goes up a little bit um, I don't it's also too like as time goes on I'm pruning I'm adding more negative keywords so it's kind of this like weird uh, up and down type situation but not it hasn't been going up too much to answer your your question. All right, so I guess for me, uh, I guess talked a little bit about a new supplier here. Uh, so apparently I can get wallets made here for around like two or three dollars, maybe under five um, at some places because the labor is so much cheaper here. And everyone I'm talking to in the past year or so, like textile companies are moving to Vietnam. Uh, the only issue here is they don't have materials. Uh, they don't really make anything here. So when you look at like China versus Vietnam, a lot of the raw materials, whether it's like steel, clothes, uh, plastics, you know, molds are still made in China, but the labor here is ridiculously cheap. And uh, some friends were saying, you know, even if they double the labor here, they're still going to make, you know, enough money than to do it in China where things are getting more expensive. And I think for like some handmade stuff like wallets, uh, you can make here handbags, uh, backpacks, things like that here. Uh, so kind of looking into getting stuff made here. And the factory I found is just 30 minutes outside the city here. Uh, so I'm going to go check them out after I move to a new place in uh, two weeks. And this is kind of ongoing with the rebrand as I figure out, you know, when I'm moving production here, I can iterate on new samples faster and things like that too. So, yeah. How, how much does it currently cost you? You said it's going to cost potentially 2 to $3, maybe 5 but how much does it currently cost in China? Yeah, a lot of it depends on quantity. So I was getting it made for like 6 or 7 which is kind of a lot, but my minimum was only, I was only ordering like 30 wallets per model. So if I was ordering like 100 or like 1,000, it'd be a lot cheaper, but like, why would I order 5,000 on my first run? It just doesn't make any sense, right? So I would rather like pay more, uh, I guess, than to like, you know, have a bunch of inventory sitting out there too, so. And that $5, that includes material and everything? Yeah, or? yeah, yeah. At, at labor, everything too. Oh, okay. Yeah, so I mean, yeah. why wouldn't you do yeah. it And I Vietnam? think if you use like the imitation leather, it's like two or three, but I mean, I got to figure, I got to go see what materials they have and kind of where I want to, take this new direction with everything too so oh so the, you're talking about the rebrand because i was going to say before you were definitely more of the premium yeah and, and and what i realized is that most people don't really know the difference between premium and you know regular leather so like when you try to sell the premium thing and people don't see the value in that i think this it was kind of a hard sell i think for a lot of people essentially it's like i mean for people who really like the stuff they can tell but i think vast majority of people they wouldn't know what the difference between, you know, vegetable tan versus chrome tan leather is, right? Like, do, do, you, do you even know what the difference is? Like, it doesn't... Yeah, no idea. Exactly, right? So, like, it doesn't really matter, mm, nope. I think, too. So, it's not like, you know, I'm going to, like, use super cheap leather and these, like, rip people out. But, like, there's a balance that probably I could strike with not using the best, but still having a good, you know, price point and value proposition. Alrighty, so I guess uh, next for you, uh, focusing on whales and VIPs. So this is another one of those things, if you listen to this show, you've heard me talk about a few times in the last few months, but it's working for us. So the whales and VIPs, kind of similar terms. To me, whales are, are big clients or potential big clients, dance studios, dance teams, people like that that are going to buy $500 plus of stuff. Uh, VIPs, I consider a VIP anyone that's ordered over $250 because they're in the system They've already purchased once for, uh, from us. So I'll start with the, the VIPs. When a VIP purchase from us, first thing we do is we call them up and we say, hey, when do you need your order by so we can make sure that we get it to you? One, that lets them know that we care. Two, it gives them a chance to talk to us. And three, of course, we make sure we get their order to them in time. We don't want to piss them off. 
After that, we give them another call once they receive their order, making sure everything's good. And these calls only take a minute or two. Usually it's like, yeah, everything's great. Thank you so much. Then we follow that up a month later with a handwritten note that says, thank you so much for your order. We really appreciate it. And I think this is extremely important because how often do you get handwritten notes anymore? Pretty much never, right? Never. I haven't, last one I got in was like, gosh, at least maybe five, 10 years ago. I have no idea. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, I, for, I got one handwritten note from a, a website that's, it was an e-commerce site that screwed up my order and they sent me another thing and it was very short and they just said, you know, we're sorry about that. Um, you know, thank you for your order. It was extremely short and just the fact that they took the time to write that note made me think, oh, this is a pretty cool company. So I'm hoping that it gets the message across to these VIP customers that we're different, that we care. Yeah, I almost think that should be like a year end thing everyone should do. Like, you know, assuming you don't have, you know, like 10,000 orders or something like that, but you should like try to handwrite, you know, a thank you card to everyone that's ordered, like say, you know, $100 or $200 plus worth of products for you too. Yeah. And it, it's different, obviously, for every niche. Like if you're some someone that sells like something that's a few dollars, then yeah, you're like right. You, like $100 is a lot of money. To, yeah. You know? Like you're selling like, like you sell USB cables. Someone buys a $5 cable, but you wouldn't send them a postcard that costs like $2 to mail or like $1 to mail. Right? It doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Plus, but I mean, if, if they buy $100 of $5 USB exactly. cables, yeah. They're, yeah, they're somebody. Yeah. Like take care of your whales, essentially like that too. Yeah. And then, so that's the other part of it is I don't want to, so first the paid ads is the first thing. If it's not paid ads, I don't want to, well, if it's not paid ads, this topic or the next topic, I don't want to deal with it. So one of the things I'm thinking about is, is this going to hit my VIPs? Is this going to hit my potential whales, the dance studios, the dance teams? And if it's not, why am I doing it then? And so that's one of the things I'm really looking at is how do I spend more of my energy and my marketing dollars towards the big customers? Yeah, because I guess as a small business, you don't have time to target all the little flies and rabbits and everything too. I mean, maybe like in five years, you know, when this is more mature and you have like a team of people that can maybe do this, but I think right now. Well, I, I will say, I don't mind doing that in if it's something like paid ads where it's repeatable. Like I do the work once and it'll sit there going. But if I'm going to be doing like an Instagram post that's I spend, you know, 10 hours on and it's geared towards these little individual clients, that doesn't make sense. I'd rather spend 10 hours and do something that dance studio owners are going to love. Or if, if I'm going to try to figure out what my marketing my, the message behind it, the ad copy is going to be, I'd rather gear it towards what dance studio owners would love than dance moms. Exactly. Just because by their intent and dance mom would be nice to have, but it's not as critical as a dance studio essentially. Yeah. Already cool. So I guess uh, on that topic, uh, I guess kind of Instagram for me. Uh, so one thing for me is, um, so part of the rebrand I'm looking to do is tying it with Instagram. So as I'm figuring that out, uh, because Instagram, you can just change your name, essentially, uh, when you you know edit your profile. So whenever I figure out my new name, I'm just going to switch it for uh, the accounts. And basically, what I'm doing now is I have two other accounts that I'm building, uh, kind of the niche accounts for leather. So one thing, I took a page from, from Gary Vaynerchuk. He has an account called uh, at Wine Deals, which is basically... Not really an account for wine library, but it's like a, you know, you get a discount code by following them every day or every week. And so I was like, hey, maybe I can do something like that for leather stuff too. 
so basically, this is kind of like a niche account where you know once this is big enough, I can just plug my stuff in. But in the meantime, I can you know reach out to other people in the space and be like, hey, you know, do you want to have a special discount code for this account? You know, we can just have our followers. We have X amount, and let's just see what happens. Uh, how many people use this code and actually buy it from you too? So I think uh, once it's big enough, I'm just gonna test it out for free for some other other companies to get an idea of like you know how responsive is this following uh, to do kind of promotions with and to see how that goes. And right now I'm just using kind of some software to build this account. So it's not really costing what me software? that much time. Uh, Instagress. Uh, I, I got to get around to that. That's like one of the, you know, I talked about four days a week. I want to do uh, my 80, 20, the, the one day a week, I don't do that. I want to spend it on like trying Instagress out. Yes, you should do it. It's only nine bucks a month or 10 bucks a month. And uh, the filter. so I used to do this manually. I remember I talked about this like a month ago, but now I'm using Instagram just because the targeting is a lot better. Uh, you can target followers of certain accounts, but also based on their following size. Like if they have 100 followers to 1,000, you know, they have a profile picture, they have a bio, uh, they posted at least 30 photos. They're not some, you know, cam bot account trying to get spam. Uh, but so not but, like you. Not yeah, like exactly, you yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm, I'm like gray hat, not like a pure spammer, right? So, yeah. Yeah, so I'm using Instagram for this account and it's getting around like probably, you know, 40 to 60 a day. It's a little bit slower than manual. Uh, but what happens is I think the targeting is a lot better because if you're just doing it manually, you're just shotgun approaching everything and it's not as clean as it should be. So is it is it leaving comments or how does it work exactly? Yeah, so it can like, follow, comment, or unfollow. Uh, for the like stuff, it just likes for you, right? And basically, the Instagram company sets a throttle. You can choose fast, normal, or slow based on you know whatever you're comfortable with. And basically, the comments, you would pre-populate certain comments. So what I do is I just do emojis uh, so I do like the peace sign, the smiley face, uh, the sunglasses face, you know, the fist bump and the thumbs up. So I have like about like 12 emojis in there and it just rotates through that. Because one thing is that if you use English comments that are pre-populated, um, not everyone speaks English on Instagram, right? Like, like I have some like people from like Benghazi or like Brazil or Latin America that follow me back. And like I think emojis are kind of like hieroglyphs. Like, you know, in the Egyptian times where it's like, you know, pictures trying to tell stories and it cuts across a lot of, I think, language barriers too. So like, like everyone knows what the peace sign is, right? So for me, let's say though, I, um, I, I only care about English speaking people for the most part. I mean, I'm only selling within the United States and chances are, if you don't speak English, you're not interested in the dance clothing that I'm selling. Yeah. You, you can't filter that unless you do location by check-in. Well, uh, my question was though, should I, you think I should do English comments and, or still just do emojis? Like I, I was thinking about doing anyone that has hashtag like Instagram dancer or something like that and saying like, wow, what a beautiful picture. Yeah, but what if, what if it's a picture of your, someone's dog that died? But, well, 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 then why are they doing <laughs> dancer of Instagram? That's, okay, okay, yeah, that's true, yeah. Yeah, but but, um, but, this, well, I mean, oh, what, but isn't that the same with you and a fist bump? Like, if you do a fist bump and it's a dog that died, isn't that a little weird too? Or a smiley face? Okay, yeah, you're right. Yeah, but it, <laughs> I, I, I feel like emojis are less risk of like being misinterpreted than like a text that's out of context. I think I do agree with you on that, but okay. So, but I guess smiley face it seems just so like I don't know, so small. Um, yeah, like well, not, well, like well, like I do. It, I do. Effort, I do three you know? in a row, not like one smiley face. Oh, what? Three emojis in a row? <laughs> it's getting serious. Yeah, but it's funny because some people will actually reply like, "Oh, thanks, you know, Terry, for replying or whatever." Thanks, thanks for the smiley fist bumping face. Yeah, 
Yeah, I've only got one guy that said, hey, would you stop spamming me? Because I guess I liked and commented on his photo, like the software did that. And I don't know. But the, the, the thing, I guess, I guess if you're listening to this now, if you want to try this out, the software is against the terms of service. So uh, be, do be aware that, you know, don't put this on your you know, all-in-one account because if that gets busted, uh, you're probably screwed. But I think uh, apparently from someone told me uh, once you get to a certain size and you're doing this, they actually have someone manually review your page. So, you know, you still want to like post stuff. Uh, while you're running this too, but you want to you got to stop the activity and then post it. Otherwise, the API will know that you're logged into a phone while the software is running, and it'll like reset your account and it'll flag it. So, should I still do this on my main B Danceware account as long as I follow the rules you're talking about, or should I only do this for a secondary account? Yeah, it depends. Well, how how much risk profile are you willing to accept for your B Danceware account? I don't know. That's a good question. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't want to. I don't want to screw things up. I guess. Yeah, that's, I mean, the, that's you, what's held me back. Yeah, you could just do like a new dancers of Instagram or whatever, or I don't know, and then just like kind of start from there and see how that goes. I yeah, guess. that doesn't sound as interesting to me. Like, I that's actually that's what's been holding me back is I'd love to do Instagram, but if I if my account gets banned, I'm gonna be pissed. It's 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 a lot. It's a very long term thing. Whereas like I think AdWords PPC, you can see exactly what's coming back right away. You know, every week they send you a report, whatever. Well, like this is a kind of like, you know, six months, a year down the line. Um, so, the, so the idea is that, you know, these three accounts, uh, I'm getting around like, you know, 40 to 70 per day, which is around like 1,500 to 2,000 a month. So hopefully by the end of the year, these accounts will all have like 15,000 on each account. And then um, it'll have like a kind of bigger footprint from there. Yeah, so the way I'm targeting is that one is an interest uh, the second one is product, and the third one is niche. So I guess niche one is people that like fashion stuff in general, and then the second one is like pure for wallets, and then the third one, interest one, is just like you know, kind of like certain interests that I'll share later when I once I figure out the rebrand. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I guess uh, you know we'll see how this goes. And I, I guess I was looking on Black Hat World. There's some people that have like ten accounts. They're just like, they're kind of spammy, but they're basically just building these accounts and then they're cross-promoting between each other, sharing posts uh, and all of that stuff. So it's kind of interesting because I guess like, I don't know if having one account with 100,000 or having, you know, three accounts with 30,000 is better uh, just because if you have 100,000 people and you post something, not everyone sees it all the time. Whereas maybe you get more eyeballs with three accounts, but I'm not really sure on that yet. So, so I will tell you from my perspective, I don't want to do, I don't like Instagram. I don't want to do it. So the more accounts just sounds like more headache. That's why I don't like, I'm not interested in starting, uh, what is it? Dancewear deals. I, I mean, I thought about it when you talked about that, but I don't want to deal with the headache that is posting manually and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Well, then, cause then you have to, like, it's not as targeted for you for dance studios, right? Cause you're, they're not your whales. I mean, your males probably are on Instagram, but you never know if you're going to target the right people, whereas you have their email already. So in terms of like the effort, it's probably not as high for you too. So, oh, okay. Yeah. But I mean, I'm just letting this run on its own. I'm not like doing anything. I'm not posting anything too. So, <laughs> but, but we'll see how this, this may just be a complete failure. So who knows? We'll see. Alrighty, so I guess for you, uh, speaking of uh, ads, I guess uh, Facebook ads, uh, what's the deal with this one? Yes, so this is the third and final thing of the, the top three things I want to work on. And Facebook ads is something that I'm not really doing a lot of right now, but I know there's so much potential there. So I'm going to crack this nut. I started already doing some different advertising. It's a, it's a little, I'm a little bit nervous because 
I don't like this phase, which is spending money without knowing if the money's going to come back with my AdWords and my PLAs. I know it works. I know I can um, easily get it to work. Like I already have a little bit of a formula. So I'm spending some time trying to figure this out. The, the silver lining is when people come from Facebook to my website, I've gotten a lot of pages per session. Uh, those people like look at a lot of different pages on my site. That being said, they don't purchase anything for the most part. I'm hoping they come back and purchase something, but I don't have enough data yet to support that. Yeah, because the different thing is Facebook is higher in the funnel than like PLAs too. So like it's to figure that out, it'll probably like it'll be interesting to see how, how fast you figure that out to get it to be profitable. So how, how much are you spending now? Do you mind sharing or? Um, I've, I mean, the last few days I've spent about $40, $50 a day. And I tried, I tried like a regular image ad, which got some decent uh, results. I, it's not like the best by any means. Then I also posted one of the YouTube videos I have that's about five minutes and then promoted that to very specific targeted people. And it's, it's done all right. I mean, it's got a lot of views, but I don't know if those views mean are going to mean purchases. The other thing was this video was five minutes, which is too long for Facebook. And I knew that, but it was, it was more just a test because I didn't want to, I didn't want to set the bar too high for me to start because originally I'm like, well, I need to make a custom video just for Facebook ads and this and that. And I'm like, let's just put up a YouTube video, see how it works. And I'm getting views at about three cents a piece, which is pretty cheap. Um, but I just don't know if that means anything. So it's great to get a view of someone like looking at my convertible bra video, but if they don't care and they just scroll right afterwards, that doesn't help me. The one thing I'm looking to and I'm very interested in doing is getting email signups. And even better, if you guys haven't heard, Terry, I know you've heard, but lead ads is like the new sexy thing I'm super excited about. And basically from mobile phones, it allows people, let's say I were to be advertising my DIY guide, they can click right there and just say, send this to me and they can give me their email through Facebook. And I don't know a lot about this uh, yet. I just learned how to set it up today. So I'm planning on setting it up in the next week or so. So hopefully by the next time we record, I can tell you how that works, but I'm pretty, pretty excited about that. Yeah. I, I feel like it's not as advanced as AdWords reporting, right? Where like it can tell you exactly like even the time they saw it to the click too. So It'll be, it'll be interesting to see as Facebook develops how it rivals AdWords uh, in terms of like the knobs and levers you can pull, I guess. So, you know, we'll see about that. But I guess one thing is tell us to like, like I've never bought anything on Facebook. Like I've seen something cool and then I'll, I'll bookmark it for later. So I don't know if that's just because it's such high in the funnel that maybe, you know, collecting emails is a good thing. Whereas like actually expecting someone to buy directly from there, you know, who knows. But like we said earlier, it depends on what you sell, right? Like if you're selling you know, dance calling, someone doesn't need to buy this right away, whereas maybe, you know, they see something food-wise, they're hungry. Yeah, you never know. Like, I, I was watching, uh, I guess I see a lot of BuzzFeed videos now on Facebook. I don't know if you've seen their cooking ones, BuzzFeed food. So they actually have, like, 15-second recipe foods. They're cooking in, like, super fast speed. And it's, like, step one, cut the onion. Step two, you know, grate the cheese. Step three, cook it like this. And then step four, and then it's, like, finished. And you'll see it in your phone in, in like, 10 seconds. And the video is super fast. It was kind of interesting to see that. Um, it was more like animated gift slash video thing. So I guess, you know, I mean, I don't know much about Facebook, to be honest, but, you know, interesting to see as uh, you learn more about it, what you can share. Well, yeah, one thing I will note that makes Facebook ads so much different than AdWords and PLAs is it takes a little bit of creativity. And that makes it a lot harder for 
The people that are good at, I think, product listing ads and AdWords like myself might not be as good at Facebook ads be, unless you have a team that's going to develop the ad, the image and this and the that. Um, but I kind of enjoy that challenge. Like that's been one of the issues is I'm decent at Photoshop and stuff like that, but I'm not as good as I'd like to be. So keep that in mind. If you're looking at doing Facebook ads, it takes a little bit of more work. Yeah, because I guess AdWords is text, PLAs, it's kind of text plus a stock image, but it's not much creativity. And then making like a banner design and, you know, like moving text sizes, things like that, or like photography in some ways too. Right? Like the, I think your image quality on Facebook has a lot to do with things. Because if it's just like some boring photo, like why would anyone scroll past, scroll and yeah. stop to look at it too, so... So I want to add one thing that I'm, I've been thinking a lot about. I've heard that if your image quality is too good and it looks too staged and professional, people are more likely to scroll past it because it doesn't look natural. Yeah, so, it's, not, it's not like a Facebook feed thing they would naturally see. Yeah, I, I want to play. I want to start playing yeah. with that a little bit more. But there's so many. That's the, one of the other problems with Facebook. There's so many different ideas and split testing and this and that and different campaigns that I can do that it's a little bit debilitating of where do I actually start. But that's a good thing too. Yeah, it's a good thing because you know paid ads is your place, so it's within your domain and you know it's more scalable for you, essentially. Yeah. <laughs> Alrighty, I guess uh, last one for me uh, is to keep working with current roster of stores. So I guess starting Q3, Q2 last year, I think, or second half of the year. Yeah, I started working with some stores on either building them up or doing marketing. Uh, now we're moving into some Google Shopping, AdWords, uh, content marketing. So mostly just maintenance for existing campaigns. Uh, some of them are new, but uh, you know they're going in with you know just dipping their toes in the water. So it's nothing too complicated. It's not like we're bidding on like you know 10,000 keywords at once so and the one thing I realized with PPC is that a lot of consultants or agencies won't talk to you unless you have like 10k a month in ad spend so there seems to be a gap where if you're only spending you know whatever 500 to you know a thousand bucks you know either every quarter like no one's really gonna give you the attention and you kind of need to do that on your own or learn it on your own too so kind of like what you did essentially too right so i guess you know there's a space for people to help you, them out there too kind of like what you're going to do in the future at some point yeah and i i really think there's two points i want to make about that one i think that a lot of the agencies don't have the right interest in mind they have their own interest they want you to spend as much money as possible because that's how they get paid and two a lot of the agencies have never done it for their own e-commerce store which is kind of mind-boggling to me it's like they're telling you to do things that they read online. That's like a doctor that's like, I'm like, hey, I've, I've, I've never went to medical school, but uh, let's try this out, see how it goes. Yeah, and even like, if you look at like the AdWords manual they tell you, it's like the metrics they're chasing. Maybe they're just trying to drive a lot of impressions and they'll just blow your budget on clicks, but it's not like, you know, giving you an ROI or anything too. So I feel like, like, you know, like for the small business owner, like what you need is you need $1 to turn into $2 or more, right? And the yeah. sooner you can figure that out, the better. But just that if your budget's too small, no one's going to care about you. And do you want to learn it on your own, like you maybe, or do you need someone to help you out? You know, mm -hmm. kind of like what we're doing uh, down the line. It's probably there's a market gap to be filled there. Oh, definitely. All right, so wrap things up. Uh, let's talk about the mastermind a little bit. So you want to give it a little quick spiel before we close again, just to remind people. Just one more plug. Now that you're done with the episode, go over to buildmyonlinestore.com slash apply. Apply for the mastermind or you can just go to buildmyonlinestore.com. You'll see it on the little sidebar there. I really think, and I know it's the new year, so a lot of people, they know that it's this, this is the time to grow their store. And I've had a lot of success personally with the mastermind. I wouldn't be doing this unless I thought it was something that 
really makes sense. So go there, apply, and let's let's get a mastermind going. All right, uh, happy 2016, everyone. Hope you have a good year, good quarter to start, and we'll catch you guys next time. All right. So-